It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hail Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herber. We welcome in New York Times bestselling author, host of his own radio show, and down there in Titletown in Alabama, Lars Anderson back with us at Lars Anderson 71 On Twitter is where you follow him. Lars, it is Nebraska-Michigan week. I've got a seat for you, my friend. Are you making your way northward? I wish. I'm uh, not going to be able to make it. I've uh, got some kid duty this weekend. But, um, hey, uh, you know, I, I like what Matt Rule's doing. And this is just from afar, mm-hmm. right? It, it takes time to install a culture. And, you know, I had a front row seat for in 2007 when Nick Saban arrived in Tuscaloosa. And it, uh, you know, the, the, the Alabama lost to Louisiana Monroe that first year. They went six and six. And, in, uh, you know, I've written two books about Nick Saban and about uh, specifically that year. And it's like he had to, to shake the bad apple tree to make the bad apples fall and leave the program. Mm-hmm. And the guys who didn't buy in and essentially with Mike Shula's players, then in 2008, they run the table in the regular season, get to the SEC championship game, lose to Florida. All right. In 2009, get back to the SEC championship game, beat Florida, and then go on and beat Texas and win the national championship in year three. Now, can Matt Rule do that same thing? Probably not. Uh, that's very uh, accelerated. And, and frankly, college football back then, and we're only talking, what, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, vastly different sport than it is right now. And I think all the changes that have gone on in the sport – um, I, I think Nick Saban is just tired of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I think that is going to sort of uh, initiate or precipitate him leaving, uh, leaving the, the coaching ranks probably sooner than he would like just because he's tired of dealing with the NIL, the transfer portal, you know, just all this other extraneous stuff that he didn't have to uh, contend with uh, just five years ago. But – I think uh, with Matt Rule, you know, the kids are playing hard. Like, I can see that. And, uh, and the effort level is just is really good. And there's passion. And uh, I think uh, Matt Rule, just he knows what he's doing. He knows how to build programs. And, you know, there, there's, it, to me, there's just a different feeling, different vibe than there was uh, under Scott Frost, and uh, and that's very welcome. Lars, to, to jump in, when, when we talk about look and feel and what your eyes tell you, I mean, he 
pretty much has followed through on what he says was was going to happen this first year. The team's going to going to play physical, and they they've been doing that in practice, and it's carried over to Saturdays. You've you've seen that on the defensive end through four games. Uh, they're they're kind of finding what they're maybe good at or okay at on offense, and that's some some downhill run. They're they're still limited at quarterback just from a passing standpoint. That's being nice, but they're 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 a work in progress on offense, and you're you're seeing development. You're seeing guys that all right jumped on somebody's radar at some point in the recruiting world, and had had maybe gathered dust or just didn't get a look. But they've gotten looks, they've gotten better, and you know the Nebraska fan base isn't super jacked as of, as we talk Tuesday right now about Nebraska Michigan. You know, you grew up going to Nebraska games. Whenever number two would come to town, it was it was a great Saturday because Nebraska had a, a fighting chance, and usually Nebraska had a small number next to their name as well. Right now, I mean, Harbaugh is the class of the Big Ten, although Penn State's really good this year, and Ohio State showed a lot in in South Bend Saturday. But Harbaugh, his blueprint is is something Rule talked about yesterday where you're just a killer on both lines of scrimmage, you practice physically, and you, you pay attention to detail. So I think that gives hope. You just have to have some patience in year one. And with Nebraska... Uh, you're seeing it already on the defensive side. They killed it with their hires. The development's been good. The offensive side of the ball has been a little slower to come along. Well, yeah. Um, need a difference maker at the most important position, right? Quarterback. And uh, Sims gave the game away against Minnesota. He gave the game away against Colorado. Uh, you just can't have that out of your quarterback. And I don't even know why Matt Rule's entertaining playing this kid again. Like, he, we know who he is. He's a guy who doesn't take care of the ball. And when your margin for error is so little, like Nebraska's is right now, can't lose the turnover game. I mean, and look what's happened these last two weeks, right? Just take care of the ball. Take care of the ball on offense. Win special teams. Kick ass on defense. That's who Nebraska is. And uh, and so, uh, you know, I. I know, I know Sims has uh, supposedly elite talent, um, but just, you know, from outsider's perspective here, someone who's not in the Nebraska bubble, I do not understand why that kid ever gets to step foot on the field again. If I was a head coach, you know, you, you, you drill into him, don't turn the ball over. And, and that was his issue at Georgia Tech, right? And, he, and nothing's changed. So what leads you to believe that anything will change moving forward? Like nothing. And so uh, I would go with 10 uh, moving forward. And um, I know he doesn't have the skill set of Sims, but um, again, for how you have to do self-assessment, I'm sure Matt Rule is, of your team. And what is the path to victory, right? You don't. We don't want to keep the game close. You want to you know, win the game. How can you upset Michigan? And that is not turning the ball over. And, 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 and I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure how people feel about it in Lincoln. Um, no, they're, sure. they're, they're with you. They, they, they don't want any turnovers either. <laughs> well, no, but, but do, do people want Sims to play if he's healthy? I think they're, they're settled in on Harburg. Harburg. I don't think they're, 
completely throwing Sims away, and, and it's it's a practice-to-practice, day-to-day thing. It's Nothing's absolute, and, and that also means no spots are safe. So if Sims shows that he can take care of the football in practice and is healthy, he's had a high ankle issue, and, and you know how long that takes to heal. Those uh, are Those are tough to get over. Right, and you don't want to run him out there too quick. Now, he, he saw one snap as Harburg's helmet flew off against Law Tech. And then got grabbed by that ankle and kind of hobbled off the field just right. a little bit. Right, so, but, you know, Sims has been a great teammate. He's, you know, he's doing the right things, to your point about taking care of the football. The, the, the skill set's there. The decision-making hasn't been. And right now they're riding Harburg, and he was good to go at practice as of yesterday, or t- today, I should say. And I'm curious, is Matt, does Nebraska practice full pads more than once a week? They call it Bloody Tuesday for a reason. So, yeah, it's Bloody Tuesday and whatever, uh, what type of gore do we want to throw in as we approach October for Wednesday. But, yeah, they, they just, hit. You, you they see, hit. That, that, that makes sense to me because you see that toughness on defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is an elite defense. In defense, so often it comes down to attitude and will. Right. What are you willing to do? (laughs) How much pain are you willing to put up with and how much uh, are you willing to sacrifice your body? And these kids are doing it, you know, and uh, it's just going to take some time. But I think we know what the formula for success is. Right. It's going to be. Yeah. And you made a great point. The blueprint is Michigan. Mm -hmm. We got to play like Michigan to uh to uh, you know get back to an elite level in in the big 10 and nationally because you got to just control the line of scrimmage both sides of the ball uh power running and a capable quarterback little option football yeah capable quarterback who can make down the field throws and one or two dynamic threats on the outside you know and a really good tight end game and um you know that that's what michigan is and uh, it'll be interesting to see how Nebraska's offensive line holds up against that defensive front of Michigan. Michigan is not – they're beatable. Michigan's beatable. And Nebraska's just going to have to play a very close to a flawless game. And like I said, win the turnover battle, win special teams, uh, win field position, and you know, try to keep it close in the fourth quarter and get the crowd in full throat and see what happens. Lars, it's funny whenever you you talk about Nebraska and their goal kind of being a team like Michigan, like the, the qualities you laid out, I think are also similar to what Saban did at Bama, at least in the early years whenever he was running yeah. that pro-style offense, the fast physical defense. And you let off this interview talking about that 2007 Alabama season. I want to ask you, were there any, any moments or any games in that season, despite the fact that it was 6-6, six and six, where you could sit back and go, this Nick Saban guy, he's the one. He's the guy that's going to that's gonna save Alabama football. Were there any moments during that 2007 season that stand out in your memory? I mean, honestly, it was the, uh, the spring game. It's called A-Day. And I, I'd never seen anything like it. It was like 98,000 people showed up. And that was like, it was like a religious, like, revival you know, and, you know, and, and Saban has uh, descended from the heavens to come and 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 lead this uh, this religion. And, 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 you know, when you have the fan support like that and then uh, Mal Moore, the athletic director at the time, 
who had completely bungled the uh, search for a coach. It was so bad that his nickname inside the uh, Alabama athletic facility was Malfunction Mal. And, uh, you know, because he went after um, Rich Rod. Uh, and I've talked to Rich Rod so many times, and he, he jokes about it. He's like, how blank and stupid am I? I'm the guy that turned down Alabama. I'm the guy that allowed Nick Saban to become Nick Saban. <laughs> Um, Rich Rod is awesome. Love that guy. Uh, and, 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 but then during the season, you just saw that they, they played with a different level of tenacity and intensity. And, and, and again, he won that first national championship with Mike Shula's players. Hey, on Forrest Lars, few minutes, more Lars Anderson coming up. Thoughts on Nebraska, Michigan, also the rebuild for Coach Rule and uh, some of those parallels with Alabama. But more thoughts. Uh, if you missed the Tom Rathman interview, great sit down with uh, the legendary Husker and uh, former assistant with Jim Harbaugh. Told the story about the first time he met Harbaugh. <laughs> uh, Rathman was awesome. Uh, live from a Home Depot is what he said. More Lars Anderson, though. Hour 2 continues on Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in Hale Varsity Radio continues. Lars Anderson talking Nebraska rebuild and what went on at Bama. By the way, Julio Jones, far and away the most important recruit of the Saban era. I don't know if I've talked to you about this, Chris, but um, Julio was committed to Oklahoma and uh, Sam Bradford was there and Julio was going to catch a gazillion balls. And then Nick Saban went down to Foley, Alabama, uh, which is uh, outside of Mobile, southern part of Alabama, and went into his home and just said, hey, you know you're good. I know you're good. We really want you. But you know what? We're going to win with or without you. But I want you. And that was it. That was the extent of his sales pitch. And Julio was just, like, struck by the fact that Nick Saban, he wasn't promising anything. He wasn't blowing Valentines at him. He just was, like, very straightforward. And Julio was such an elite talent. Once you get Julio on board, other guys in the South are like, oh, my God, Julio is going to Alabama. And that just started this cascade of, of players coming to Alabama. And I don't know if there's a similar recruit that – that uh, and this was in year two of Saban, right? Because he it's the same thing with Rule. Uh, Nick didn't have a chance to finish out that first recruiting class, but it was that second recruiting class, the class of 2008. And I, I don't know if there's somebody similar that Nebraska could land that could be sort of Nebraska's or Matt Rule's Julio Jones, but I think it's really important because high school kids talk, you know, and it, it really takes just like one recruit to be a program changer. And uh, that's what Julio was in, you know, hopefully for Nebraska fans, myself included, that Matt Rule can find a similar type of guy. You know, the the Suget was monumental with what he became. You look at Turner Gill uh, back in Nebraska history, Tommy Frazier, obviously. And, yeah, I mean, Nebraska's put a good class together. They've done really well in state. And the talent level of, of in-state Nebraska has really skyrocketed where programs, Notre Dame, Alabama, I mean, the who's who of college football 
are, are coming into to the state of Nebraska, be it rural or the metros, and and kids are are impressing. Uh, you got a kid on on the field now that was the, the number one tight end recruit in the country, Thomas Fedoni. He's battled a couple of injuries, but he's really showing up now that he's healthy and getting a chance to play. And then in the class of 2024, you have the number two tight end recruit in the country and Carter Nelson. Who's right. Committed. He's out of, out of Why, what, what accounts for this. You, you guys, why is the level of uh, the caliber of athlete, the caliber of football player so much better now in the state of Nebraska than it was say five years ago? Well, maybe a couple of things. One, you I mean, you've got huddle so everyone can see everyone. So you're being discovered. You've got social media as well. But two, you've got training facilities. I mean, uh, Brandon Kenny's doing a, a training facility. Steve Warren, Warren Academy has been incredible. A lot of the blue chip prospects have trained with Steve for a lot of years. Kids are just bigger, stronger, faster, says the old guy in the chair here. And uh, <laughs> I mean, and they're multi-sport guys. I mean, they'll, they'll play basketball. They'll play football. They'll, they'll do baseball. They'll, they'll do track. There's... So much track and field, and that's that's one thing Rule's honed in on. His identity is not only going to be physical on the lines of scrimmage, but he wants the, the track stud and track athlete that's got that explosive speed. Uh, you're going to see, maybe not this year, or may, maybe towards the end of this year, Elijah, you can jump in on this too. I mean, he really did well with some, some wow athletes at the wide receiver position. Nebraska's limited right now with what they have because some of the freshmen aren't, aren't quite ready to go. But in future years, I think you've got the possibility of uh, that wide receiver slash track star that, that's football tough uh, to make their way on the field. So Nebraska's not quite ready yet for – well, they're really ready for that athleticism to be on display, but the, the, uh, the learning curve has not been met yet. And so, that's, that's kind of a work in progress. Have you studied what – rule was able to do at temple and then what he did at baylor and what the similar patterns were and then you know and then how he's applying all of that to what he's doing now are you seeing that take shape he's been able to focus in i think he's able to to recruit at a a higher clip a higher level a higher star rating at nebraska than he ever was at baylor and he ever was at Temple, but what he did a great job at both spots was identify. Uh, they identified and then developed, and it, it worked out well, but also credit to Nebraska's strength and conditioning. But the one big difference I think you see between Baylor and Temple and Nebraska is it's still that same eye for talent, that same evaluation, but at Temple and Baylor, those freshmen were getting at the, on the field early at a higher clip. You have a couple guys for Nebraska that have made an impact early. You want to see more from the offensive side of the ball of young guys making an impact because that was the, the blueprint at Temple and Baylor. You want to get those freshmen on the field early and often. Offensively, hasn't quite been there. Defensively, there's been a couple examples, but that's been the big difference is you've seen the increase to physicality. You've seen what they're doing at practice, but you haven't quite seen the, the next class of guys, the next, uh, I mean, the, the program builders foot Matt Rule wants them to be see the field just yet. Yeah, it seems to me that the talent is there, right? Uh, it, or it exists in areas that Nebraska can access, mm-hmm. but you gotta you gotta hit on them, right? And and it's gotta be you gotta develop. This is what I mean. This is what Nebraska is. You gotta develop three stars into four, mm-hmm. or maybe even five. If you get that rare four, develop him into a five, and um, and it, it can be done. But uh, Chris, you both you guys and Elijah you'll get a kick out of this. You know, I talk about Nebraska all the time on my radio show, all the time. 
And now uh, my, uh, my radio partners and even callers, my new nickname is Volleyball Anderson. <laughs> That's what we heard leaving Boulder. We were leaving Folsom Field. And, 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 and CU fan was like, well, you guys, at least you have a hell of a volleyball team. <laughs> hey, I wear it proudly. And hey, so now I make awesome. it a point like, to give volleyball updates to sure. <laughs> really just to agitate uh, you know, the, uh, the, the listeners and, uh, and my, uh, my partners. Lars, you got a prediction before we say goodbye? The uh, line is 17 and a half. Could be up to 18 and a half. Do you think Nebraska keeps it close? Does this thing go into the fourth quarter with a question mark, or do you think it's all Michigan Saturday? I think maybe 28-14 Michigan. You win special teams. You win the turnover battle. Uh, then they can be there in the, in the fourth quarter. But Nebraska just doesn't have the, the depth. They don't have the elite athletes that Michigan you're missing does. some playmakers on offense yeah i mean that's the thing like nebraska's offense is uh, death by a thousand cuts right it's three yards four yards seven yards uh and maybe they'll pop you know one big one or two but this is not a uh, an offense that possesses a lot of firepower and so then i, I understand why you'd want to go with sims if he's healthy he's an all or nothing kind of player right boom or bust Problem is the bus outweigh the boom so far, and so I, I would, again I would I would stick with uh, the guy who's won the last two games. Lars Anderson, best New York Times best-selling author, host of his Alabama radio show statewide, and can find Lars on Twitter at Lars Anderson seventy one. Lars, we'll do this again sooner rather than later. Awesome to get caught up. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Yeah, and it's uh, when Nebraska pulls off the upset, Chris, I'm going to have you on my show on Monday. (laughs) I'll be waiting a while. (laughs) All right, take care, you guys.